Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 51, just, just it is a passage that I think on often. And what we're going to see here today in this passage, Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through 56, is that with focused urgency, Jesus chose to serve humanity. What a theme, right, for the morning. With focused urgency, Jesus chose to serve humanity. You might remember this line from the movie Fight Club. This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. A little depressing, I know, but it's a powerful thought and gives us a sense of urgency as we consider the urgency of Jesus and the focus of Jesus to serve humanity. So Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 51. So would you stand to your feet as we read God's word together out of respect for it? When the days drew near for him to be taken up, for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. This passage is often overlooked when people are teaching through the Gospels. And the reason is because it's a transitional passage for Luke. He's beginning what's called the central teaching of his Gospel. And so this this transitional section, which ends chapter 9, is, is rarely considered as being a serious passage for life change. But as we retrace the life of Jesus and our own understanding of who Jesus Christ is, this is an incredibly important one because what I believe it will do is it will help us get a focused urgency, a sense of how urgently we ought to live and where we should focus our heart. What exactly does this passage say? Well, here's this first phrase, when the days drew near to be taken up. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he's going to die on a cross. And he's going to die for uh, crimes that he did not commit. He's an innocent man to die. And in an earthly sense, he dies an innocent man. But in, in a cosmic sense, or as a part of God's narrative, which we see throughout the scriptures, this is all a part of God's plan to rescue humanity. And what happens at the cross is really significant. The sin of those who would place their faith in Jesus goes into the shoulders of Christ. He dies, suffers for those sins, pays for those sins. And what is incredible is there's this mysterious exchange where the the sin of those who have faith in Christ is placed on Jesus and his righteousness, which is his perfection, is given to us. There's There's an exchange of sorts through faith even today. So when Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to be taken up. This is really, really significant. This is the point that the Bible has been talking about since Genesis chapter 3, right after the fall, where God is pronouncing judgment on the serpent and saying, there will be a day, there will be an offspring of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent, of the evil one. And so throughout the Old Testament, there's this, there's this line, there's a storyline going through of one who will come to rescue, to deliver, to pay for sin. This is Jesus, and he is now focused 
on the cross, the events of the cross where this exchange will happen. There is a sense of urgency for Jesus. Some of your translations may say something like resolute determination or, or um, passionate plan, or I've seen all different, but what we see is a focused urgency. Now, things would get hard for Jesus. And when it gets hard, it's all the more important for us to know where we're going, right? Now, consider for a moment, what is your focus? Where, where are you focused? When things get hard, it's important that you know exactly where you are going. So I wasn't here last week, and I am so thankful to John Wethington for preaching in my absence, and especially to you, Halsey, for writing his sermon. Uh, it was quite nice, very good. I've listened to it. He did a wonderful job. He's a very gifted communicator. I'm very pl- proud that he's our very first church planting resident. The reason I wasn't here was because I was competing in a half Ironman, which is a 1.25-mile swim, 56-mile bike ride, and a 13.1-mile run ends with a half marathon. Now, uh, I've mentioned in here before about these races, but uh, most of the guys competing in these races are really uh, thin, 160 to 180, thinner. Um, there, are a gr- there is a group of us called Clydesdales, which are men that weigh more than 200 pounds, and so every time, nearly every time that the Clydesdales uh, get into the water to begin our swim, somebody says something about the water level rising up, which is really, uh, I just need to confess, hurts my feelings. But anyway, so I was in this race. It's, it was really a unique experience. And, and I had one goal, to finish in less than seven hours. But I had a plan all along the way. I knew exactly how quickly I wanted to swim. I had like a, a best uh, goal and then like a worst case scenario on my bike. I knew exactly how much I was going to drink, when I was going to drink it, how many calories I was going to consume, when I was going to consume them. I knew exactly how fast I was going to pedal, where I wanted my heart rate. I had a plan and I was focused. And I had a plan on my run. When I got off my run, I just wanted to still be alive. So when I got off, I realized I was alive. I was like, okay, here we go. Next, next part of my plan to focus is what? To finish. To finish. And I really had uh, a goal to finish and not be hobbling and to run a really consistent race. And, and everything was going really, really well until about three miles in on the run. Three miles in on the run, do the math, I still had 10. I started feeling some tightness in my legs. And I knew in that moment I was going to have to focus. So much of doing these uh, triathlons is about being tough mentally. It's really remarkable. At three miles in, I knew I had to be tough mentally because I could have right there just walked off the course. You know what I thought of? I thought of getting to the finish line one step in front of the other, and that's all I thought of the entire time. I kept telling myself, run your race. Don't run anybody else's race. I'd see another guy that I thought was in my division, and he'd start, he'd go past me, and I'd be like, try to, no, I, I just need to run my race. And I wanted to be focused, and I had a sense of urgency about finishing, and I was able to finish. So much in life requires a focused urgency. Let me ask you a question. What is your life's focus? Think about it. Consider your daily choices, the thing that you spend your resources on, your, your time, your energy, your money. What is your life's focus? Not what should it be, but right now, just consider, what is your life's focus? Is it money? The accumulation of money? Just 
just earning stacks and stacks of money. You maybe think that if you have enough money that, that you'll feel a sense of satisfaction, a sense of joy. There's nothing wrong with having lots of money. There's been a lot of incredible things done by those that God has prospered. I pray regularly that God will prosper you all and that you'll obey him by giving back the first fruits so that the work of the church can go forward. Money is not the enemy, but focusing on it can be a problem. Just recently, I met with this man. Um, I didn't know until we had coffee for the very first time. Somebody else in the church said, hey, I've got a friend who's really struggling, uh, and he's a heavy hitter at Chase, and is an executive and on his way to the top, but he's got some problems. And so would you meet with him? And so I said, sure, of course I'll meet with him. So we met downtown for coffee. And in the first three minutes, he says to me, uh, with tears in his eyes, I have everything I've ever wanted, meaning money, and I have nothing. I will never forget those words for as long as I live. As I looked across the table, and this guy's living the life that you and I uh, maybe at some level would love to have. He's got lots of money. He's got a beautiful wife and several children, except for his wife has told him to leave because what she realizes is that he's already left her and began cheating with, on her with his job and the accumulation of money. He says, I have everything I ever wanted and I have nothing. So he's saying, I've focused with urgency my entire life on my career and the accumulation of money and here I am with it and I have nothing. What is your focus? Is it money? How about success? Are you focused on success? Are you focused on approval? The approval of your spouse or maybe the approval of your parents still, believe it or not, even as adults, sometimes we, we want to be approved by our parents. Maybe it's the approval of your peers or your coworkers. What is your focus? I would like to suggest to you that the things I've mentioned do disappoint But instead, what we ought to focus on with urgency is what Jesus focused on, and that is serving humanity, serving others. Now, I want to illustrate what it's like to be a servant by telling you a story about what you shouldn't do. Uh, Recently, there was a storm that ravaged New York. This lady by the name of Glenda Moore drove frantically across Staten Island in in an attempt to get her sons to safety. She'd caught herself out in the storm. She found herself and her two boys, Connor, four, and Brandon, two, caught in the full fury of this tragic event. Buffeted by torrential rains and winds of up to 90 miles per hour, her Ford Explorer plunged into a hole. And according to the account she would later give police, she carried her, near, her two sons to a nearby tree, gripping branches along with her boys as she tried to shelter them from the storm surge. She told police that she clung there for hours, that she made an attempt to a nearby property and pleaded to be led inside. But rather than choosing to shelter this desperate stranger, the occupant refused to let them enter. In desperation, what she told police was that she went to the back of the house and she tried to break in, but was unable to do so. 
As the storm raged on, her sons were swept away by floodwaters. Those two boys, Connor four and Brandon two, were found near each other about a quarter of a mile from where the mother last held them. Now, when I'm talking to you about serving humanity, think of the opposite of this guy who denied access to this woman and her two sons into his house. What he was thinking about in that moment was himself, his convenience. Maybe he was unsure of what it would mean to help her. Maybe he thought if I let her in, she might actually want some food. When I talk about serving, I want you to think of Jesus and what he's about to do in Jerusalem. He serves people by laying his life down so that people can enter peacefully into God's kingdom, having their sins forgiven through a faith in Jesus as Lord. If you're new to the church, particularly the Christian faith as revealed by the scriptures, that's the claim. Jesus laid his life down to pay a penalty for our sins, something that we cannot pay, and we enter into God's kingdom peacefully through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the good news of the Bible, and this is the fairest reading of the Scripture. So no matter what, somebody stands before you with this open and says to you, if they say something other than that, that's a false gospel. What we're saying Jesus has done is the ultimate act of service toward humanity. He gave to us something that we could not access ourselves. He let us in when we recognized our desperate situation. Now, what would be different about Jesus and the story I just told is that Jesus would have been out in the storm looking for people, seeking them, helping them, providing for them. He would have been the one swept away in the storm to save another. Here's the thing about focus, though. As you consider what you're focused on and whether or not you're truly focused on serving humanity, we can be easily distracted when things don't work out like we plan, can't we? When we're focused on something, maybe you, you, you run into an obstacle. Maybe you know God has told you to do something. Maybe write a book or to, to, to impact another person's life in some way. You're focused on that, but when things don't work out quite like you think, or when things get tough, it's so easy just to give up. It's so easy just to walk off the course, isn't it? And we live in a world where many people do. Jesus could have been distracted by those people that were making it difficult for him to get to Jerusalem. Remember in the story, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He tells his disciples to go into the Samaritan village and prepare a place for him to rest. Well, if you know anything about Samaria, the Samaritans did not like Jewish people. There was some ethnic tension, and they really didn't like anybody that was going through Samaria on their way to Jerusalem. They resented that fact. So when Jesus sends his disciples to go into Samaria, Samaria and to prepare a place for him, they reject him. Things didn't work out quite like the disciples thought it would. What if Jesus had given up? What if on his way to the cross, anytime it got tough, he gave up? Where would we be without hope for sure? I wonder how many of you know God is telling you to do something by way of serving others. And things have gotten tough, so you've kind of found a new course. What's distracting you from what God wants you to do? 
I love the fact that we have more and more college-age students in here and several from the nursing community. And one of the easiest illustrations about serving others would be to point to anybody that's a nurse, right? The very essence of being a nurse, in fact, I think it's in your, uh, what do you call it, the creed or something like that? Where's Mona? What's the little thing that, that you say and you get your pen? Yeah, your pledge. Okay. Oh, Evelyn's the most, maybe the most recent nurse. So it's a pledge of some sort. And as a part of that pledge, you, you commit to serve others, basically. What a beautiful illustration. I wonder if it got tough for you. What if you walked into that room and the patient, when they became difficult, you just decided, oh, forget it, and you walked out. I mean, you would probably two-thirds of the people you deal with, you wouldn't be helping, right? When, 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 we get dis- when, we, when things get tough, we tend to get distracted. When, when things don't work out quite like we want, we tend to give up. But I'm saying to you, what is it that God wants you to do to serve others, and what is stopping you from doing it? Maybe it's a lack of the sense of urgency. Maybe you think you've got all time in the world. But if the Bible is true in places like James chapter 4 that describe our life like a mist where it's here for a moment and then gone, then that would tell us that we don't have all the time in the world. A second thing that can distract us uh, is another person. When Jesus sent these disciples into the village and the Samaritans rejected their stay, it's really incredible to see what James and John did. They said in verse 54, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Now, what they're trying to do is to be like Elijah in the Old Testament that did this very thing. Somebody was trying to thwart the plan of God and he called down fire from heaven and it was not a pretty scene. So James and John think, we'll do this also. Jesus, we're not going to let these people mess with you. Do you want us to call down fire? That would be an awesome power, by the way, right? I'm for somebody else, not me. My heart's not like that. Um, <laughs> Jesus says, no way. He turns and rebukes them. Why? Well, the reason that he turns and rebukes James and John for wanting to harm these people who are rejecting Jesus is because the people that are rejecting Jesus are the very ones that Jesus came for. But we can be distracted by people. When you consider, where does God want you to serve others? You can be distracted by other people. Who is it in your life that's keeping you by their voice? Maybe it's a negative voice or a harsh voice or, or, or a voice that, that, that dumbs you down or, or, or that, that wants your attention to be on something else. Maybe your, maybe your service, if you have children, is first and foremost them. And you're distracted by these, all these other voices that are trying to keep you from serving your children with the most godly teaching and, and the ways of God and, and church and things like this. What person is distracting you from where you know God wants you to serve humanity? Which person is it? Who is it? Maybe the person that's distracting you is that little voice in your head. 
You know the way to serve another. The greatest way you can serve another person is by engaging them in real-life conversations and introducing them to your faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe the person that's distracting you from doing that is that voice in your head that says, oh, they'll never believe, or oh, don't be such a fool, or, or maybe you could be wrong, and all these other things that tend to distract us from serving other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can be distracted when things don't work out like we think they should, and we can just be distracted by other people. So my question today is, will you focus with a sense of urgency on serving others like Jesus did? I um, think of what uh, I had a little experience this week um, that it's made me think about urgency and the brevity of life, and, and it, it might come across silly to you, and, um, but it's helped me think about it. I, um, can, can you see the stitch right here? Trent, can you see that I have a stitch in my face right here? Uh, I've had a Band-Aid over it all week, but I just thought it would be really, really tough if I preached with a stitch in my face. And the reason I have a stitch right there is because I had this spot on my face that I'm still waiting to find out if it, whether or not it was a little cancerous kind of a spot. Um, but I went into the dermatologist, and, you know, as you should, uh, had him check over some freckles and things like that, and he saw the spot on my face. He goes, oh. I said, oh? He said, oh. I said, that could be a problem. He said, yeah, that could be a problem, so let's remove it. So he removed it, and so this little spot, the stitch that I have right here in my face, has been a reminder all week how fragile life is. And you say, that's a little bitty spot. Well, you know, there's people all around us that are ill every day. And I've thought to myself, maybe in maybe a more down moment or something this week, like what if this was cancer? And what if it was throughout my body? And what if I did not have that much longer to live? What if I had a month left to live? How would that change the way that I live? I would live with a sense of urgency. I wonder if you knew you only had a month or two or three to live, how would that impact your daily life? How would you choose to serve others? Would it be as someone who's apathetic? No. It would be with a sense of urgency. Will you choose to serve others? Who in your life does God want you to serve this week? First and foremost, with the good news of Jesus Christ. on the Colorado Olympic training facility, these words were posted reminding these athletes about urgency. When they enter the facility, it says, enter these doors with an unrelenting sense of urgency. That's how we ought to go about our Christian faith. That's the kind of life that Jesus had as he went to the cross. But here's the thing about this. If you think for a moment that you can just go, okay, I'm going to live with a sense of urgency to serve humanity without first going to God and going, God, I need you to shape my heart and make my heart and mold my heart so that I can be the kind of person that cares about the plight of others, cares about the need of others. You're wrong. You, you cannot in your own strength, care, truly care about the needs of others in an ongoing, genuine, long-term kind of way unless God's Spirit shapes your heart and makes your heart and molds your heart so that you can be the kind of person like Jesus who genuinely cares for the well-being of others. 
This is the gospel. The gospel says you cannot on your own do all that you need to do to be who God wants you to be. But instead, God made a way for your heart to be transformed through your faith in Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. So what I'm saying to you today is if you want to live with a sense of urgency to serve humanity, then the first step is to go to God and go, God, would you shape my heart? Would you make my heart? Would you help me to be the kind of parent I need to be towards my child so that when I'm teaching them and helping them and serving them, it's, it's with, from a heart that's genuine and Christ-like. God, would you help me to serve my coworkers with the kind of heart that you'd want? God, would you help me to serve the people that are in my life that don't know Jesus with the gospel? But I want my heart to be right. I, I don't want to just take the gospel to those people just so I can mark it off my list. Yes, I got somebody into the kingdom. No. Will you go to God and say, God, I want to live with a sense of urgency to serve humanity, but I need your help. I hope you will.